0: bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host,
1: Diana Thomas.
0: Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. Today's guest is Dr. Stacy Boyle. Stacy's the Chief People Planner at Smarter People Planning, and she was such a huge help to me as a learning leader when I was setting up a measurement strategy and I needed a trusted advisor to help guide my journey. Our collaboration led us to become co-authors of our book, Be More Strategic in Business, which was released last summer. Welcome Stacey, so glad to have you.
1: Thanks Diane, I'm thrilled to be here with you and spend some time talking about evaluation and measurement.
0: Yes, evaluation and measurement is definitely a challenge that is coming up as one of the top opportunities for our talent champions. And you can't ignore the growing prevalence of analytics in every area of our lives. The science and technology is always changing. So to start with Stacy, can
1: you tell us a little bit about what you do? Thanks, Diana. Yeah, so I have a consulting practice called Smarter People Planning. And what we do is we help organizations make smarter decisions about talent and people in the organization, employing evaluation and measurement and data through analytics.
0: And what's your experience been? Who reaches out to you? Has it traditionally been HR groups are owning measurement for human capital? Is it learning and development? Who are the owners within organizations that tend to uh, work with you?
1: You know, it varies. It is a lot of uh, chief learning officers, uh, individuals from the learning and development space. We work with a lot of HR, CHROs as well. And occasionally we work directly with a business unit. So we've had sales organizations reach out to us and operations reach out to us to set up a framework and a structure to evaluate the impact of their initiatives and their investments.
0: So why do you think measurement and evaluation is such a hot button for talent champions
1: today? You know, I think that there is for talent champions and for everyone, really, I think there's a lot of pressure to deliver results, to drive results, and to show the value creation for their investments and their efforts. And I think that if we start with why we're doing what we do instead of focusing on the how... then that can help organizations figure out how to answer some of those questions.
0: I want you to share a little bit more about that, figuring out the why, because that was one of the paradigm shifts for me as a learning leader. I had been focused on this path. I need to use like Kirkpatrick's model and do step one, step two, three, and four. And I know when you came in, that was one of the things that really shifted my perspective is why do you want to measure
1: that's the first thing I do when I sit down with the customer is, why did you call me? Why do you want to evaluate something or assess the value of something? Sometimes people don't really know why. Sometimes they think it's because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm an l and I'm supposed to be using this Kirkpatrick model. I don't know how to do it. They really don't know what they're trying to accomplish or the value that they're trying to show or demonstrate. So I try to step everyone back and think that through. Otherwise we don't know if we're going to accomplish what we want if we don't know what we're trying to accomplish. So I focus on the why and try and drive everything towards that why. At that point, then it's easier to figure out the how. How do we do something? I don't want to talk about the how we're going to do it, how we're going to measure, survey, predictive analytics. I don't want to talk about that until I know what we're trying to accomplish and why we're trying to accomplish it.
0: I love that. Start with the why. I also remember talking to you about this and we included it in our book is really understanding the vision of what the organization's trying to do and their strategies and then how does your function align with it and how can you measure and show that you're on the right track and be able to make those adjustments when you're not. I was just talking to somebody that was starting up a new learning organization the other day And he was asking me, where do you start? You know, should I start putting in competencies? Should I do X, Y, and Z? And I heard you in my head, Stacey, because (laughs) I said to him, let's back up. What are you trying to accomplish? What is the goal of the business? And what role does learning and development play in accomplishing that? And then once you know that and you have that in place is how will you measure it? So uh, you've now changed me that I can't go down the path until I know where the goal is and and align with that vision. So thank you for uh, that learning that now has stuck over the years with me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, that's great. And one thing and another something else I want to comment is, you know, in the talent space, we need to think because also we have our own tool toolkit, right, to solving problems to business problems. If we think of ourselves as organizational enablers and problem solvers, and not think of so deep about, you know, if you're an L&D, my job is to train, I'm to train, I'm to upskill and reskill employees or the workforce. If we think of my job is to enable the organization to drive the strategy and to make us stronger and to solve business problems, Then your mind will be more open and you'll look for different solutions because sometimes the learning and development may not be a solution. Sometimes recruiting and hiring a new resource may not be the solution. It may sit somewhere else. So if you picture yourself as a problem solver, I think that will help you make smarter decisions moving forward to help the organization from a strategic perspective.
0: Great. I like that. Be a problem solver. You know, there's a lot of information, a lot of analytics are out there. Where do you start? Okay, I've I've, I've now figured out the why, and I've I've um, thought through the vision of where I want to go. What's the next step? What do you What do you coach
1: people to do? My advice to learning and development, or to talent leaders, is don't buy something if you don't understand it. If you don't understand the deal, if you don't understand the value it's going to bring to you, if it doesn't fit into your vision of what you're trying to accomplish then it's not something that you need. And so a good place to start is thinking about the right business questions. What do we want to know? And so what we want to know is, is how we answer drive our business questions. With all the technology, there are so many options out there. There are so many great tools, great consultants, great organizations, great models. And I think you have to find the one that fits the best with you. If your organization has a culture of accepting say survey type data, which I consider more like a qualitative, you know, sort of on the board of more qualitative subjective type data. I wouldn't make important business decisions based on survey data only. So, but if that's your culture and that's where you need to start, then you can do that. If you want to start with something a little more rigorous or you have some internal resources or you want to outsource um, some analysis, you can do that. So what opportunities
0: exist for talent champions with respect to measurement?
1: In the most recent CLO, Chief Learning Officer Magazine report, we found that one of the top competencies that learning leaders felt like they needed to be stronger with is around influencing and partnering. And I think that seeing yourself as a problem solver and an organizational enabler will help you solve problems that will help you influence and partner better within your organization. And if you have data and evidence, that will help you become a better partner. And I think, you know, we are, as talent leaders, we are in charge of the entire workforce. We're in charge of the engine that drives the organization. If we can proactively identify gaps or problems in the workforce that will not help us push our strategy forward, that should be our job as well. We should start closing those gaps proactively and solving those issues before they even become problems not only
0: was influencing one of the biggest opportunities, but understanding using measurement to drive business results was a competency from day one that learning leaders and talent leaders are challenged with. So one of the things I've seen is that learning leaders avoid doing measurement. So why do you think historically the talent field has kind of stepped away or tried to avoid measurement?
1: You know, that's a good question, Diana. I've been in the evaluation space for over 20 years. And in, I'd say, 2001, 2002, I had a business partner, and we were out trying to sell predictive analytics. It's what we know as predictive analytics now. You can imagine there wasn't a good response. People did not understand what we were selling. We couldn't package it very well. We couldn't pitch it very well. I did sell, we did sell two. I think the one to an insurance company and one to a financial company.
0: Okay, so yeah. I gotta stop you right there because I have to share, when I first heard that ter- term predictive analytics and I, I learned it by looking at the report that came out from one organization about the top learning organizations, here's what they're doing. And the one that had won the award that year as the top organization was using predictive analytics. And I didn't even know what that meant. For those audience members that are in the same shoes I was in, can you at least give us a kind of a a reader digest version of what is predictive analytics? What does it mean?
1: It's using a lot of data. It can be data from multiple sources across the organization. And what you're doing is you're looking at past behavior to predict future behavior. Let me use an example of sales reps, how sales reps say they went through a training program or they went through an onboarding program. And you're trying to see if the performance after these programs impacted the organization. And then can you predict their behavior moving forward? So we can know if we roll out this program with the sales rep in the Northwest, Northwest region, Will we have the same impact if we invest in rolling out the program in the southeast region? When you think about Netflix or Amazon, you think of those recommender systems. If you bought this, you might like this. If you watch this, you might like this. Because it's based on a bunch of data about your shopping habits, about your demographic profile. So it's the same idea that if, if the sales reps look like some of these in the northwest, then we know that it should work in the southeast as well so you know all this analytics piece can be really kind of confusing i kind of narrow it down in the book to a few simple buckets so that people can help think about and align these because everyone is not a data analyst or not a data scientist and you and you're not expected to be but you're expected to understand where you need to go and you don't have to understand how to do it or really what to do but you need to understand be smart enough to think about how some of these pieces fit together into the big picture.
0: I'm kind of reminded of one of my prior guests, Casper, talked about, you know, when you're getting into technology and it gets overwhelming is just break down the terms, take a term and look it up, like even on Wikipedia, so at least get a baseline of what it means. And then start building from there because it is so easy to, as you mentioned before, you know, get with a vendor and they're using all these terms, or with uh, another company that's doing uh, things at a different level, and just feel out of your element and overwhelmed, and you you tend not to speak up. So I would encourage everybody if you're listening to somebody speak, um, you know, write down what what they're saying things, terms, uh, specific concepts, tools, and then go look them up if you don't have the opportunity to ask them right then. But, you know, get educated. Learn as much as you can in regards to the lingo, the language, so that you become more educated, so that you make
1: better decisions. If you're meeting with a partner, ask them what it means. It's okay to not understand that because it's not your job to know that. It's my job to know that. You know, Diana, I think a really good place to start, of course, is with our book, Be More Strategic in Business, because what we've done is we've simplified some of the data analytic pieces uh, into a few little kind of consumable buckets. So I think that's a good place to start. And also what we have shared in the book is an idea and a template from what we call the impact blueprint. So it's a way to list out your talent investments and look at how your talent investments align to your business strategy and to be sure that you're working with a business strategy that's aligned to the vision. So we take a, we have a visual approach with the template to show you, to help you figure out what metrics you need for current uh, talent investments and how to plan talent investments. And so we have that impact blueprint template on our website, be more strategic in business.com. And I'd encourage your listeners to go download the template and see if it's something that they can use. Great.
0: Thanks for sharing those resources with us. We really appreciate it. So why do you think the talent field has historically avoided measurement? I remember hearing like less than 15% of the organizations out there even try to show, uh, the business impact through measurement. I mean, other than the main reason it comes up for me is it's hard.
1: Yeah, Diana, that's, this is something that I have seen across the past couple of decades that I've worked on the evaluation space, specifically with talent leaders. I think one, it's hard, I think it's overwhelming. And I think that people are not being asked to demonstrate the value of their talent investments. And so they're not doing it that's what they tell me they all often say no one's asking me and i'm not sticking my neck out to do that
0: i can relate to that i was not being asked i wanted to know what impact we were making so that i could leverage my team and the focus as well as look at getting additional funding to do things i thought the measurement and the business impact would really help that so
1: when you're not being asked and you will be asked someday then when somebody comes to you and asks you to demonstrate your value, then they kind of get to set the rules of engagement. And you may not have the skills, the ability, the competence, the resources to, to to play within the rules of engagement they set, which isn't what they want to do. And if you're proactive with it, then you get to set the rules of engagement. You get to start with the baby steps if that's how you want to start, if you proactively go after it. I'll give you a quick example. I worked with um, an e-learning company once, and one of the sales reps called me and said, Stacey, I need you to go into this client. We're going to lose her contract immediately. She had to generate an ROI to show the value of the learning uh, programs that she bought from us. Well, she did it. She opened some book, and she used it like a cookbook, and she presented it to the CFO. And he said, you don't understand our business. You're not strategic. You have a week to get this figured out and turn this ROI around to me. So they immediately called me. I flew out there, sat down with her. She didn't understand at all what she was doing. She wasn't speaking the language of the business. So the CFO set the rules of engagement for her, and she couldn't meet those. And if she'd gradually been showing a little something over time, this question may not have come up from the CFO. He may have been satisfied with just a little trickle of information that she was able to deliver. And so I had to go in. Kind of step over her and deliver more than she was capable of doing. It did save her contract and it did save her job, as the, as a matter of fact, for that one. But that's a good example of somebody else setting the rules of engagement because you weren't proactively driving that. I would say another um, historical reason that I think measurement has been avoided again, like I just mentioned, um, people don't have the skill set or they're not sure where to start, so they just kind of avoid it altogether. And I think that's not a good idea because then you cannot show the value creation coming out from your function. You cannot show the impact of the investments you're making. Some of these reasons that we've avoided measurement is I think some are perceived and some are reality. Some of the realistic reasons are there's problems accessing disparate data, which is data from other parts of the organization. So if you build or you make an investment in learning and you need data from, say, sales or other parts of HR operations to demonstrate the impact. Sometimes you cannot access those data for technology reasons, for political reasons. There are all kinds of data governance issues. There's data quality issues. So we avoid it because it's too big and messy, and we don't know what to do, and there are real data problems. So again, like I said before, if you could think about a little piece, start a little project, something that you can control, you can manage, and you think you can clean up, then I would go after that, and that's a good place to start.
0: Yeah, one of the things that we used in our organization and learning and development was let's just start to crawl before we start to walk and run. So instead of trying to do it all, what small area can we start to focus on and show the impact and then build our competencies, our awareness, our ability to communicate this, ability to use the data to drive results, Uh, before we put in, uh, you know, too much in regard to measurement. So you don't have to go from zero to everything to the Taj Mahal in a short period of time, you know, just take those baby steps. What are some of the consequences involved in continuing to avoid aligning talent outcomes or actions to business data?
1: Well, the most obvious one is you're going to be left behind. You're going to be left behind. You're not going to be able to demonstrate the value of, what you're delivering to the organization as a whole. And you can't defend your investments and you can't go fight for additional investments uh, in solving business problems. And you know, it's interesting in the recent um, PwC 2019 annual CEO survey, they surveyed almost 1400 global CEOs and they found that across the past 10 years of doing the survey, there's still an information gap. And that's the gap between the information that CEOs need and what they and the information that they have. There's still a gap between what CEOs want and what they're getting. So we're doing a lot of research and doing a lot of things, but we're not answering the questions that the CEOs and the more strategic higher level leaders need. And that's where we need to move to.
0: I think that's an incredibly important part. And I know as I've been Judging over the years, learning organizations for different awards and talent champions, one of the things that comes up is how aligned are you with leadership? And the best organizations have really strong leadership involvement, commitment, and alignment. So I think those are tremendous things to think about and for our audience to say, hey, Am I as aligned with not only the measures and where we need to go as an organization, but with what that leadership is expecting for me and needing?
1: Exactly. You know, and I see a lot of talent leaders, they understand or they think they understand where they need to go and how they need to show an impact. And so many are using. Evaluation analytics and ways to help them show an impact, but they're not showing the right things. For instance, something that I call vanity metrics. Um, The learning development space uses that a lot. So we'll show the number of students we trained, the number satisfied, um, the number that said they will apply this on these certain uh, topics on the job. So all these are metrics that I we call they're called vanity metrics because they make us look good we developed this many number of courses. So shiny star, we've done a lot of stuff, but have we done the right stuff has what we've done and have the investments we've made in people has that impacted the business. And when you stop at that point of vanity metrics, you're not showing an impact and you're not showing value creation. So you need to be able to do that. And you can do that when you are aligned, you know where you need to go and you won't stop there when you are in alignment.
0: I know you've been involved not only in just judging awards every year, but you actually helped to create a couple of awards. Can you tell us what you've seen across
1: the evaluation space? What's going on? Sometimes people think, well, what we're doing isn't cool. We're not doing big, fancy predictive analytics, so we shouldn't put that up there. And I don't think that that's true. I think people should apply because you get feedback and it helps inform the field On what other people are doing, because everybody else is like benchmarking and looking at what others do, what some of the best do. And there's some really small firms doing some really cool stuff. And so I think people should apply for the awards because then you can, then it gives everybody else in the field sort of a duty to the field to look at what other people are doing. Let me
0: jump in real quick and let you know, that's exactly why we applied for awards. We weren't looking to be number one, number two. Initially, we wanted to know where we compared with other organizations. And I remember the first award we applied for, I don't know if it was the, you know, 125 or what award it was, but we came out at 42. And I remember saying, wow, we've got some opportunities. So every year we use that feedback. And we moved up to one of the top spots, you know, by using feedback based on what our organization needed to do to be more effective.
1: Yeah, I think looking and exploring why people won awards and what they did can can help you you know, can help you kind of benchmark what you're doing. And for sure, don't stay within your industry or within your organization. Look outside your industry. And with benchmarking, you don't want to take something. If this isn't a cookie cutter approach, you see what somebody else is doing over here and you want to apply it exactly. You have to consider your politics, your culture, your resources, all of your enablers to see if it will work in your organization. Because there's probably bits and pieces all around that you can use.
0: So I know that you've judged and designed learning and development award programs. Can you tell us what kind of trends or what things you're
1: seeing across the evaluation measurement space? You know, I really see a lot of different approaches uh, to evaluation. I see some organizations that strictly focus on return on investment. They'll build a rigorous ROI, or at least that's what they present in the application, right? I'm sure they've got a lot of other initiatives going on that I'm not aware of. Um, but in the application, they'll show some pretty rigorous ROIs. I see some really advanced um, predictive analytics coming out. I've seen, I haven't really seen too much playing around with artificial intelligence yet. I know it's out there. Um, I've seen several organizations put together initiatives around big data. And so what big data means is they're pulling data from disparate parts of the organization. So they're pulling in talent data, operations data, finance data to make uh, predictive and prescriptive um, recommendations to the organization to drive change. So I see mostly sort of pretty some advanced things going on. And I don't see so much organizations applying for awards when they present like what I call, you know, the vanity metrics. So, because that's really not novel and that's not really going to drive change and drive decision-making. So when I look at and judge the awards, I look for those who are really pulling in lots of different data sources from lots of different places. And it doesn't have to be that complex or complicated, but they understand why they're doing what they're doing. They're not just doing something or conducting the evaluation activity, just to conduct it. So, you know, when you know why, and you're trying to drive change and make decisions, then the approach, I don't really worry about so much. I wanna see that they answered the business question that they asked. And that's what some of the smart uh, applications have.
0: If I'm recapping what I heard you say in regards to, you're seeing um, people are moving beyond vanity measures; that they are bringing in other measures to show the business impact and uh, to help answer some of the critical questions. But it is across the board.
1: So back to your question about the um, the talent, the challenges with talent leaders is. We may not be experts in technology, we may not be experts in analytics, but we for sure need to understand it at a high level and have a play within that realm because it is coming whether we like it or not. What piece of
0: advice can you give our talent champions in their quest to make an impact and to learn more and be able to do more?
1: I would say stay focused on the why. Stay focused on why you do what you do. That will keep you from getting distracted and confused by all the different stakeholders you have, all the different opinions, all the different vendors coming at you.
0: And my piece of advice that I would put alongside that is continue to learn And just read, grow, try to find out as much as you can in regards to just what's going on so that you can understand if that fits in your organization, if that'll help you answer some of the business questions that you're being asked or that you've uncovered and you want to answer. Right? Can you tell us about one person who's had the greatest impact on your professional life and why you wouldn't be where you are today without that individual, Stacy?
1: Probably one of the people with the greatest impact on my professional life is Dr. Jim Lollier. He was the chief learning officer at the first e-learning company I worked for, and he really pushed me. He saw what I could do, and he gave me opportunities to be more strategic, and he helped me grow as a professional. And I think the support and the coaching that he provided helped me a lot. And it helped me in a field that I was brand new in, you know, in the late um, 1990s. So I would say Dr. Jim Lally for sure has made a very positive influence on me professionally. Great.
0: And if our listeners want to get in touch with you, Stacy, or learn more, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, definitely through LinkedIn, Stacy Boyle. You can also visit my website, smarterpeopleplanning.com.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your uh, expertise with us. I know we just scratched the surface in regards to measurement and analytics. And to our audience, I want to hear from you. What questions and challenges are you facing when it comes to measurement and evaluation? Are you making decisions based on data? Are you struggling to connect what you're doing to the business results? So visit talent-champions.com to send me your questions, comments, and stories. That's talent- Champions.com. Join us for our next episode where I'll be talking with Judy Whitcomb, Senior VP of HR and Learning and Organizational Development, about recruiting and retention. Innovative approaches to finding and keeping top talent are a must in today's market. And Judy's organization is doing some creative things that are yielding strong results. Subscribe to Talent Champions on iTunes or SoundCloud to ensure you don't miss our next episode. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show or to receive more valuable insights, please visit franklincovey.com slash talent champions. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcasts, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider.